So we're going to be in a lot of different places today. Last week, I encouraged you to check it out, right? To, to check out to see if what you were hearing from the pulpit or what you were hearing from the radio was really true. So I'm going to encourage you to do the same. Last week, I think we stayed at one verse. It's pretty easy to check it out. This week is going to be a lot more flipping through your Bible. So if you're familiar with it, it's going to be easy. I'm not going to give you the page number out of this Bible because I didn't look it up. Okay, so I'm not going to do that. Um, but I will tell you where the passages are at here in a minute. But first of all, I'd like to ask you, uh, how many of you want to make a difference in somebody's life? Right? I think most everybody would say, yes, that's me. I want to make a difference. I don't, I don't think anybody plans to go through life uh, just, just going along, sitting by the, the side line and just watching things pass. I think everybody wants to put a stamp and say, Josh was here. Right? And hopefully... People do that in a positive way, but people do that in a negative way. You know, sometimes people say, I'm going to, to do this terrible crime, like shoot up a school, because I want people to know I existed. Some people will take their own life, and they don't. There's all this negative attention that people will do because they want people to remember them. They want to make a difference, even if it's bad, which we don't want to focus on that because today's a happy day, right? Today is Mother's Day, and we're going to talk about the biggest difference makers generally uh, speaking, is, is the mothers. But uh, before we get to that, there's people who make a positive difference in people's lives. You know, if you ever go to a restaurant and you, you have a really rude waiter, but you say, I'm going to be kind to my waiter anyway because I want to make a difference. Uh, you see somebody who's down. And you go and you try to give them an encouraging word or you try to give them a smile because you want to perk them up. You want to change the direction that their life is going. Uh, sometimes you come across somebody who's in need. Do you say, hey, I'm going to give a gift of you, for you? It could be monetary. It could just be a, an encouraging gift, but you want to make a difference, right? And today we're going to look at somebody whose name was Timothy in the Bible and who was the biggest difference maker in his life. Anybody want to take a guess as to who that was? No. Jesus was besides Jesus. Come on. You can't always have Jesus as the answer. It's Mother's Day. The mother, right? Yes, the biggest difference in his life was his mother. Her name was Eunice. And so we're going to look and see what did she do in her own life? What did she do to kind of help raise Timothy? And what kind of impact did it ultimately have? And she had no idea what was going to become of the difference that she was trying to make in her own life. This is a Mother's Day message. It's about mothers. But guess what, everybody else? You're not off the hook. Because if you're a dad out there, you can make a difference in, someone's, in, in somebody else's life. If you say, my kids are already grown up, you can still make a difference in somebody's life. If you say, I've never had kids, or I'm a kid myself, you can make a difference in somebody's life. So I want to encourage you to be a difference maker. You can do it in a lot of positive ways, but I want to encourage you to specifically be a difference maker in somebody's life spiritually. And that's a little bit harder, but we're going to see how... Uh, this mother of Timothy did it and see if we can kind of do the same thing. So we're going to look at the difference maker in Timothy's life. We're going to start out in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. So 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, and I'm going to be reading in the NIV. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. It says, I have, this is Paul speaking, it says, I have been reminded of your sincere faith was first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. So this is a letter that Paul is writing to Timothy, and he says the beginning point 
is your mother. Ultimately, it was his grandmother. It got passed down to Eunice, the mother, and she had a faith that was sincere. It was genuine. It was true. It was real. It was honest. And it was something that was living and active. We don't know at what point she came to know Christ as her Savior. We don't know if it was a mother and daughter at a synagogue. We don't know if it was something that was passed down from generations to generations until ultimately Eunice says, I believe this. But we know that she had a sincere faith. And we know that it was something that was public because Paul's there. And he can witness something from her faith that says, I know this woman believes what she says and she lives it out. We don't know if she was helping the widows. We don't know if it's just the fact that she went to the synagogue every Sunday or I mean, every Sabbath day or if, she, if it was how, he raised, how she raised her son Timothy. But it was something that was very public. She owned her faith and she lived it out. But we can only speculate as to what made Paul notice it. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.15, we're going to move over a couple pages. It says, And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. So this is Paul still talking to Timothy. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. As soon as Timothy was old enough to do anything or to learn anything, Guess what mama was doing? She was trying to help her son learn what the scriptures were. The little kid, uh, he, 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 he can't read yet, but he's old enough to sit and listen. He's old enough to comprehend a little bit. She says, I want to make sure, Timothy, that you understand this, that you know this. And I assure you, Timothy didn't get it all. He didn't sit there in the synagogue and say, wow, I understand everything that they're teaching in the synagogue. He didn't say, wow, mom, I understand everything that you are teaching me. But mom says, that's okay. I'm going to tell you pieces. And it's it's, they might be like pieces out here, but someday you're going to understand. And it's going to fit together like a puzzle. But you've got to start hearing these truths. And she says, as soon as you're able to start doing something, I'm going to start teaching you. And I know we do that with our kids. Like, these are the letters of the alphabet. These are the numbers on the number line. These are what the colors are. But she says, you know, what's also more important is what do the Holy Scriptures say which are able to make you wise for salvation? But this would require something of Eunice, the mother. That means she would have to be all in on this. She would have to believe this. She would have to know this. She would have to teach this. This wasn't something where I say, I'm just going to drop off my kid at VBS. I'm going to drop off my kid at Awana every Thursday night. I'm going to drop off my kid at Sunday school and go back home and take a break. She says, no, I got to be there with them. I got to make sure I understand this so that I can help Timothy understand this. She was all in. Like I said, she owned her faith. She would have to go to the synagogue herself. She would have to learn it. She'd have to remember it. And then she'd have to kind of reduce things down so that her little son could understand that. But she did whatever it took for a kid to learn this. And Timothy, partly why he, I think he learned this is because of a very special, one of my favorite phrases in the whole wide world, is children learn what they live. I've witnessed it on my own. I've, I probably have said this example before. And it, I have a negative example and a positive. I, I see my kids, especially Noah, because he's my firstborn and he's been around me the longest. I see him start getting kind of snippy. and sort of kind of angry and grumpy. And then guess what, who I have to look at? I have to look at myself and say, ooh, I've been kind of grumpy and kind of snippy, but if I can stay relaxed and carefree and understanding and patient, guess what they do? 
they start doing the same thing. Children learn what they live. If you go to church and you say church is important, guess what your kids are going to learn? Church is important. Uh, if, if you listen to country music, which I like country music, guess what your kids are most likely going to learn? I like country music, right? They, they learn the city life. They learn the country life. And the same thing learn, works with the, the importance of the Bible and of, of the teachings of scriptures is if you make it important in your life, your kids are going to see it's going to be more important in their life. Children learn what they live. So we have Timothy's mother. She was the difference maker, and she had a faith that was public, that was recognizable. And she was able and willing to do whatever it took to teach her son the same thing. Uh, 16, verse, uh, Acts chapter 16, because there is no 1 Timothy 16. Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through 2, we find out that this wasn't just a very supportive, easy thing for her to do. This took a lot of gumption, a lot of weight on her back to make sure that this was really going to take place. This is Paul again in Acts. Um, he came to Derby and then to Lystra, where he disciple, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. So we have this picture of a Jewish woman and a Greek man, and it's it's kind of like it's saying the Jew was a believer in the in God, but the Greek wasn't. And we have to do a little bit of speculating, but we can get to that, and I think we'll be able to see. Uh, but in, in that culture, that didn't mix well. If you have a Jew and a Gentile get married, a lot of times the Jewish family would have a funeral for the Jewish person who got married to the Gentile because you're dead to us. Because it's a big no-no to be doing that kind of thing. In today's culture, a Christian marries a non-Christian. It's like we think, boy, that's kind of... That really wasn't the smartest move. That's not what God wants you to do, but people do that all the time. And so it's, it's a little bit more acceptable, but back then it was a very big deal for this to happen. Uh, the reason that, part of the reason why I say she had so much weight on her back was because you find out in verse 3 that Paul wanted to take Timothy on a journey, and he had him circumcised before he went. And I'm not going to explain that process, uh, but it's something that can only happen once. It only, it's only once, and so we know that when Timothy was eight days old, which was normally the, the time for a Jewish boy to be circumcised was when he was eight, we know that didn't happen because Paul had to do it later in order to take him. Back in the, the day, the Jew, when, if, if two people got married, the religion followed the mother. Whatever the mother believed, whatever the mother said, was kind of how the, the family was raised. It's a lot, it seems like a lot like America today. Whatever the mom thinks, if she wants to go to church, okay, we'll go. And whatever she thinks is the way it's going to be. But the, the thing is, uh, with the dad being a Greek, probably wasn't circumcised. Mom was a Jew, probably wanted to circumcise her son. But dad probably said, no, we're not going to do that because it wasn't done. And so she's, she has to submit to what her husband says, but all the while trying to raise her son to love the Lord to know the Lord, to live for the Lord. And she does a fantastic job doing that. She has no idea where that's going to lead in the future, but she says, I'm just a mother. I'm just at home. I'm just raising my kid to love the Lord, to know the Lord, to live for the Lord, and that's all that I can do. And she does a pretty special thing. And she was the difference maker in her son's life. She had the reputation for herself. She taught her son all the while uh, without the support from her husband. And you, if you ever, ever find yourself in a position where you're trying to love the Lord and your spouse doesn't want to, that's a very difficult place. I've seen that over and over. I was talking to somebody yesterday about a family back home that 
I, I saw the mother try to get her family into church. And I saw the dad wasn't a walking with the Lord. Ultimately, he's gotten saved. But all those impressionable years, uh, the kids saw that this really wasn't that important to dad. Mom tried, and it didn't work out well. So the kids are like, I don't really need Jesus. You know, I don't need that church thing. I don't need that God thing. And so, uh, but she wasn't like that. She says, I'm going to do it anyway. If you'll let me go to the synagogue, I'm going to go do this. Moms out there today, you have the golden opportunity to be a difference maker spiritually in your children's life. You know, how many, how many people, uh, when your kid gets sick in the middle of the night, how many dads just lay there and act like you're still asleep? And, and mom gets up and takes care of the kid, right? Uh, when the baby's in the womb. I remember when Noah was in, in the womb, and he was a slow mover. He would just wiggle all around, and I could feel him. And I was, and, but Caleb was like super duper fast. But I, you, could, you hear stories about the kid perks up when he hears the dad's voice or somebody else's voice that he recognizes. But who, who has the best connection with that baby? Mom, right? She's with that baby 24-7 for nine months. She knows everything about that baby going on inside. So the mothers are typically the ones who are more patient with the kids. They're the ones who are more empathetic. I even this morning, Caleb was reminded, or my wife reminded me about that. You know how, you know, you know, be more patient with Caleb. But moms just naturally are the ones who tend to do that thing. But you have the golden opportunity to invest in your kid's life because your kids were bonding to you from conception. I mean, all the way up, they're like more connected to you. But that's a lot of weight, isn't it, moms? You're like, gee, I didn't want to come to church and just get all this weight dumped on me. I said, well, I'm not going to just dump it on you. You can take a little bit off and say, here, husband, you can have some of this. Uh, here, grandma, here, grandpa, here, everybody else sitting in the church, you can have a little bit of this weight, too. You have the same opportunity to be a difference maker in somebody's life. Uh, I want to back up here for a second. Uh, when I think about uh, mothers and fathers, mainly because you're with your kids the most, the differences that you can make in your kid's life is, is simple. One of them is going to church as often as you can. I'd like to say every Sunday, except for two weeks of vacation. I'd like to see you here. I can't enforce that, but that's what I would encourage. Go to church. It shows your kids that it's important. Read your Bible and let your kids see it. I grew up watching my parents read my Bible or read their Bible. Otherwise, I don't think I would have read it because I'm not, I wasn't a reader. You know, it was like, last thing I want to read, do is read a book. And I didn't want to read the Bible on top of that. But read your Bible and let your kids see it. When you pray, do the same thing. Love your kids. Love your husband. Uh, and, and have a good family nucleus, and your, your, your kids will see that. But everybody else, you have a choice and a, to be a difference maker. Now, I, I was thinking about uh, grandmas, because, you know, you have Eunice's mom was Lois, and she was the grandma to Timothy, and the impact that she had. My, my grandparents, uh, I didn't know my grandparents. They might as well be your grandparents, for, for all I know. Uh, we moved out to Davenport when I was nine. My, my grandparents were 40 miles away, and we didn't know them. So guess, guess what I had to do? I had to adopt some grandparents, I, and they had to adopt me. And I wasn't like I, as a kid, understood saying, hey, I'm going to adopt you. Please be my grandma. But these grandparents recognized I needed a grandparent. And so they would, they would try to act like grandparents to me, and they would try to invest in my life. And so you guys can do that with each other. When the kids come up from Sunday school, hey, Noah, hey, Taven, what did you guys learn in Sunday school? What are you guys working on in your uh, wanna books on Thursday nights? The fact that you're showing up can be an investment. 
You can be an, uh, invest in people's lives at work. You can be a coworker. If you're uh, a teacher at school, if you're a classmate, you can, you can be uh, an impact into somebody's life even without them realizing it. This is not just about moms and their kids. This is about everybody being a spiritual difference maker in somebody else's life. And maybe you say, that's me, I'm doing it, and that's great, because that's exactly what God wants us to do. But if not, I hope that you're encouraged to do that. And it's an investment. You know, and it's, it's an investment that you're like, I don't know how this is going to pay off. Uh, you know, there's, I, well, we're good at investing things. You know, I know people buy bulls, and they invest in them because they're going to go do the thing with the cows and have good, hopefully a good crop, right, in the, the spring or the wintertime. You, you plant seeds in the ground hoping that you get a good garden. People invest money, and you hope that it's going to have a good investment. You don't know how it's going to turn out, but we know how to invest, and so you've got to start uh, being a spiritual difference maker in somebody's life, even if you don't know the guarantee of, of what's going to come of it. But I encourage you, be a spiritual difference maker in somebody's life. Now, the difference that was made in Timothy's life, Acts 16, verse Two, it says the brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. And Paul wanted to take him on the journey that he was going on, his second missionary journey. But you have people from two different towns who are speaking highly of this young man named Timothy. Now, how did Timothy, I'd like to ask, how did Timothy get that way? How did he become committed? How did he have a reputation that made him proud that would make Paul want to take him on his missionary journey? I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, first of all, it was what he saw in his mother. His mother was living out her faith. It was real and it was genuine and it made an impact. I'd love to say it was his dad. That's what I should be saying. It was his dad that did that. But it wasn't. He wasn't even in the picture spiritually as far as it went. So mom says, I'm going to do this. And she made that impact. But it was also because uh, she taught him the scriptures and made sure that he understood them. Uh, and it, you know it's really important for for Paul to trust Timothy, to have a good reputation, because you read earlier in Acts that Paul took a young man with him by the name of John Mark, and he took him on a missionary journey. Uh, Acts chapter 12, verse 25, Paul and Barnabas took along a, a man named John, also called Mark. Acts 13, 13, you see that John left in the middle of the mission trip. Doesn't sound like that bad a thing. Okay, I did a little bit of time, and now I'm leaving. But you find in Acts 15, verses 37 to 38, that he deserted them. He quit them. And he, he, at that point, he's like, I don't want this. I don't know what I signed up for. I don't know if he was fear. I don't know if he was tired. I don't know if he just didn't have the stamina anymore. So Paul, if he wants to take Timothy, he's got to be sure about this guy. Timothy, uh, John has already let him down. He says, I'm, going, I'm trying one more time, and I'm not going through that again. And so Timothy has this incredible testimony that's known in two different towns at least and Paul says I, I hear about this guy I see the life of his mother and I want to take him on this missionary trip I'm convinced that he's the one who should should be coming along on this trip with me but ultimately Timothy's reputation wasn't based on his mother because you know mothers you can pour everything into your kids you know we could say fathers and uncles and aunts and pour everything into your kids but you know, ultimately, it's not your decision on whether your kids listen, whether they follow or not. But Timothy was willing and determined that he was going to put his faith into practice. And Paul says, I'm going to take this kid with me. 
There's only so much you can do to be a, a spiritual difference maker in somebody's life. But I want to challenge you to try to be that difference maker. It gets hard. It gets frustrating. It gets long. It gets tiring. But keep it up. Keep investing into somebody's life spiritually because there could be a fruit that comes from that that you don't even know. Uh, and I've heard stories of people who have, who have been missionaries in other countries for like 30 years and nobody gets saved. What a waste. 30 years of my life and then I die and then... You know, God's happy. I mean, you can say, you know, God's happy because it's not me who saves people. But then you find out that after that person died, guess what happens to the whole tribe? Everybody gets saved. At some point, I mean, it's not a guarantee, but you hear stories where I've invested and invested and nothing seems to happen. And then I move out of the picture and then all of a sudden the flowers start to bloom and people's lives start to change. So I encourage you to try to be the difference maker. And so then Timothy Someone invested in him. Someone was a spiritual difference maker in his life. And Timothy, you find out, unbeknownst to his mom, was what he was going to do. He was going to make a big impact and a big difference in somebody else's life. Actually, a lot of other people's lives. Uh, Timothy, his name is mentioned in 11 of the 27 New Testament books. And I'm going to look at some of these, but I'm not going to read every example about Timothy because that would take longer than you all want to sit and listen to these examples. So I just picked out a few of them. Uh, but you find out in First and Second Timothy that Paul was left to be the pastor of a little church in Ephesus. And that is, that's kind of a big responsibility. And we you know without his father's influence, there's certain things he had to learn from Paul. He went on the missionary journey with Paul. He saw firsthand, this is what it means to be a missionary. This is what it means to, to share the gospel with people. But while he was there at this church, he had to rebuke people. He had to say, no, that's not okay. Anybody like to say, no, that's not okay? Especially to adults. Kids, it's easy. I can say no all the time, and I don't even worry about it. But if i got to walk up to an adult and say, no, that's really hard. Because adults can get mad at me, and they can, they're on the same level as I am. And so it gets really difficult. But here he is, he's a younger guy, and he's rebuking people because what they're doing is not okay. While he was there, he had to be an example to everybody. Oh, that's a, that's a big task to feel. I'm a young guy. I'm a single guy. I'm in front of a church. I got to be the example to everybody. Um, he had to go through hardships. Boy, this is just getting tougher and tougher. Uh, and he had to do his best in 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman who need not to be ashamed rightly handling the word of truth. He had an awful lot to do. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, uh, I, need a, I need a sparky to come up here and show me where that's at. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believer in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. He was young, even if he was 35, and... To be in the position that he was in, he was young. And so he was doing all these things with people who are older than him. He's setting the example. He's rebuking them. He's going through all these hardships. But Paul says, this is the guy that I want to take with me. He calls him his fellow worker in Romans chapter 16. He says, Timothy, he's faithful in the Lord in 1 Corinthians 4, uh, 17. He's doing the Lord's work in 1 Corinthians 16, 10. In Philippians chapter 2, 
uh, here's a little bit more. Uh, and this is about the biggest kudos you can get from Paul, I think. Um, first, uh, I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 to 22 says, I hope when the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you so- soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare, for everyone looks out for his own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself, because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. Let me ask you a question. How did Timothy get like this? Who, what, what was the impact that was made in his life? Who was the difference maker in his life that gave Timothy the right start, that gave Timothy a good reputation? Because Timothy could have stayed in wherever, whatever location he was in. If he was uh, a woodworker, he could have been just fine there, and, and God could have been proud of him. Or if he was a rancher, or if he was a teacher, those things would have been great. But look where he's going next. How did he get that way? It wasn't his dad. Maybe he got some nerve from his dad because dad was gruff and taught him to be tough. But in order to do all things, he had to have a good start. He had to have the right difference in his maker in his life. And who was it? It was his mom that did that. That's why this is a Mother's Day message to encourage you mothers to be the spiritual difference maker in your kid's life. They may grow up and never be a missionary. They may never grow up and be a pastor. They may never grow up and lead a Bible study. That's okay. But they can make a difference in other people's lives that you have no idea what impact that's going to be. It can be in the school. It can be in the oil field. It can be in the construction site. It can be at the flower shop, right? Anywhere. You can, they can be a spiritual difference maker. But it's your job and it's my job to train them now at a young age so that they can grow up and, be a, and make an impact in other people's lives. But mothers, like I said before, you are not the only ones responsible for this. You are not the only ones who are capable of this. Everybody else who's, who's listening to me, it's your job too, as well as mine, because I hear my own words coming out of my head. It's our job to be a spiritual difference maker in somebody else's life. It could be a kid. It could be your, your neighbor. It could be uh, your spouse, right? But it's your job to try to be a spiritual maker in somebody else's life. Mothers aren't the only ones, but everybody knows, and as the polls prove, and kind of like as that song did, who was it that told me about Jesus, right? It was my mom. Polls prove, I uh, got on, I didn't put all the data on here, but the research that you find on the polls is, who's the ones that go to church? It's, it's like a, a huge percent of them is women. It's the mothers. And so I say, good job, mothers, that you are doing that. But I say to everybody else, let's break the poll, right? Let's say that's what it's like out there. Let's say it's not the same here. Let's be the difference makers in this building and in our, in, our, in our children's lives, in our town's lives, in our co-workers' lives. Make it your goal to be a difference maker, a spiritual difference maker in somebody else's life. And then please, I encourage you to start today. I'm going to pray and ask God that he would help us to be the difference makers. But I'm going to pray that, he would ask, that God would help those who we try to invest in their lives to be ready to have that difference made as well. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for the example of Lois. Uh, just, just a woman. She, it doesn't say she had a career. It doesn't say that she was rich. It doesn't say she was beautiful. She was just a woman, a mother of a, a boy named Timothy. God, and she says that she wants to make a difference in his life, and she started at the earliest time that she could, when he could just 
barely understand anything, she started giving him what your word said. And I thank you for that, God, because I, I see the example of what we need to do. I thank you for Timothy that he was willing to accept that message and he was willing to, to make a huge impact. Even in my life today, 2,000 years later, God, I find the encouragement and support to try to be the same way, to, do, to, not, to, to always set an example. I know I don't, God, but I see that truth that uh, his mother instilled in his life that's being instilled in my life today. So, God, I pray for each one of us, mother, friend, daughter, son, cousin, uncle, aunt, whatever it is, God, that you'd help us to try to invest in other people's lives. And, God, I pray for those that we try to invest in, especially the kids, God, that they would be the kids that would be like Timothy. They would be receptive to what they heard. And, God, that they would, they would have the reputation that would make you proud and that they would want to go out and live out that faith and make a difference in the lives of somebody else. I just pray for your help for these kids. I pray for the help for us as we try to make that difference. In Jesus' name, amen.